Welcome. You're listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. This morning, we will continue our sermon series, Through the Cracks. We're going to be looking at the Gospel of John in the 12th chapter. I'll start at verse 20 and read through verse 33, but before we do that, let's turn to God in prayer. Let's pray. Holy God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for this beautiful opportunity for us to be together, to sing and pray to celebrate new family members. But now, Lord, as we come to your word, we pray that you would speak clearly. Lord, that the words that we read are your words. The words that are spoken are your words. The words that we hear are your words. And may this encounter with you be so powerful that we cannot walk away unchanged. In your holy name we pray, amen. So I would invite you to listen now for the word of the Lord from John chapter 12, verses 20 through 33. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, and then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life in this world, whoops, those who love their life lose it. And those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And wherever I am, there will be my servant also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Jesus goes on to say, Now my soul is troubled. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said it was thunder. Others said it was an angel has spoken to him. But Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you and I have had any sort of conversation in the last couple of weeks, I've already told you this. And if you and I are going to have any kind of conversation in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to tell you again. But two weeks ago, my middle brother, who is a high school basketball coach, coached his team all the way to the South Carolina State High School Championship game and won. It was so amazing. We were losing our minds. I cannot tell you how amazing this game was. 
And I know it is impressive, right, to say someone won the state title game, but you need to know it, it wasn't just exciting. It was fantastically amazing. You see, my brother's high school, his River Bluff High School in Lexington, South Carolina, the school just opened in 2013, which is when they hired my brother to be the coach. My point is, it's a new program, and my brother is the one who built the program. They were playing a powerhouse of a team, Dorman High School in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Dorman's this massive school. There's approximately one trillion people that go to that school. This was Dorman's fifth time to the state title game. The rumor is they had already printed their t-shirts celebrating their fifth victory. They're not wearing those t-shirts. It was amazing. River Bluff was sinking the threes. They were owning, the, they were setting the time. They were making their free throws. They were owning the court and they won, and it was fantastically amazing. The day after the game, I posted on Facebook how excited I was and how I was in awe of my brother. Now, unless we are in some sort of a competitive family battle, my brother is an authentically humble human. And his response to my, my post was this, I just coach a game. You spread Jesus. Keep doing the work, sis. It's sweet. I know. He's a good dude. But my cousin, my cousin works in a church, and so he posted a response to my brother, and his response was, yeah, but she's never won any Jesus championships. <laughs> He's right. No one's given any rings for Jesus. But I couldn't help but think about that comment, that little Facebook exchange today when I was reading this passage because I'm wondering if that's why the Greeks came looking for Jesus. I think that they wanted to see this man who had done not only exciting things, but fantastically amazing acts. Jesus has been owning the land, not even just Jerusalem either, but everywhere Jesus goes, he, he's doing these amazing things that are blowing people's minds. There are stories about him spitting in the mud, and he uses that mud, and it heals a blind guy. There's stories about Jesus making some marks in the sand, and because of those marks he makes in the sand, the authorities choose not to stone the adulterous woman. Most recently, right before this passage, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. From the dead. He's doing all of these fantastically amazing things and word has gotten around and now people are traveling from out of town because I think they want to see a Jesus championship. And so we get to this passage today and the scripture says that the Greeks say, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And I wonder when we read this, I'm wondering when we read this question, knowing now what we know now, I wonder if they even realized what they were asking for. Did they know? Did they know that that Jesus who had just been turning over tables to make a statement in the temple, that soon he would be gathered at a table with his best friends to wash their feet to break bread together, 
and to say goodbye. Did they know that this man who had gathered thousands of people with his preaching, that soon his friends would betray him, abandon him, even lie about ever knowing him, and he would find himself all alone? Did they know that this man who's been making these promises of abundant life, that soon he will be hanging broken and lifeless on a cross? Honestly, I don't even think they realized what they were looking for. And I think that's why Jesus, and I think Jesus knew they didn't know what they were looking for, and maybe that's why he didn't immediately go running over to greet the Greeks. But nonetheless, there's something very significant about the arrival of these people. You see, all through the Gospel of John, Jesus has been saying over and over again that his hour isn't here yet. He keeps telling people it's not time for the full self-disclosure. John keeps using the phrase over and over again, the hour has not yet come. But here... Here, when Philip and Andrew tell Jesus that the Greeks are here, that the Greeks are looking for him, the first thing Jesus says is, the hour has come. This this is what the whole book of John has been building to. Here, now that the outsiders have begun to seek Jesus, there's this indication that now, now the hour has come. I want you to know that part of the imagery that that Jesus is drawing on here comes from the prophet Isaiah. And in the book of Isaiah, in the 56th chapter, it says this, And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants, who keep his Sabbath, who do not profane it, who hold fast to my covenant, these, it says in Isaiah, these I will bring to my holy mountain, and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be a house of prayer for all people. Thus says the Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel. Do you see, do you see how powerful this image is that Jesus is drawing on here? Isaiah is telling us that God is going to gather all the people from all the places so that everyone has the ability to worship together on the holy mountain. That God is going to invite all the people to be followers. And so here, when these Greeks come for Passover to find Jesus, is this indication to God, this indication to Jesus that God is beginning to gather the people together. That Jesus is the holy mountain. Therefore, the hour has come for God to do the work that needs to be done so that all may be gathered together to worship. So we're at this turning point. We're at this turning point where Jesus has acknowledged that the hour has come. And and it's like Jesus has, but I have one more thing I need to say. One more teaching for all to hear, for the Jews, for the Greeks, for the people who are gathering together to worship on this holy mountain. I have one more thing I need to make sure you hear. For all who wish to follow Jesus, for all who come to follow him. Jesus says you you might have come looking for the excitement and glory of a Jesus championship. 
but if you're really going to see me, if you're really going to look for me, if you really want to be my follower, Jesus says, it's not exactly what you're expecting. Because probably they came expecting a charismatic miracle worker who would make them feel good, who would affirm their political stances, who would give them authority and prestige, and while he's at it, he could fix their problems and heal their sick. That's probably what they're looking for, because let's be honest, that's what we're looking for. We want that. We want someone to give us what we want and how we want it and when we want it. And especially now with with life and the world changing so quickly and shifting all the time, we want something that feels sturdy and normal and safe. But in this passage today, Jesus says, no, if you want to be my follower, you have to give up your own life. And by that, Jesus means you have to give up the need to be in charge of all the things. Being Jesus' follower follower is not in the, the doubling down to hold tighter to what it is that we want, to how it is that we want to figure things out. It's not in the keeping our own life held together as best we can, ignoring all the cracks that threaten to break us but rather it's in the giving up of that which makes us comfortable. It's in the letting go of the control that we so desperately are trying to keep over the world around us. Jesus says it's in the leaning in of the parts of our lives that feel like they're cracking. That, that's where we see Jesus. But that's not what we want. We don't know what kind of pain might be inside those cracks, and we are not eager to lean in and experience whatever might be there. But Jesus says, this is what it means to be my follower, and not only is this what it means to be my follower, but Jesus says, this is what I'm doing too. See, Jesus says in our passage today that leaning in and looking to God instead of our own selves, that's where God will be given the glory. Jesus says, I feel like there are parts of my life that are cracking too. He tells us in this passage, my soul is troubled. But Jesus immediately follows that up with that he will not pray to be rescued from the cracking. Instead, he will be committed to leaning in, to experiencing God in the midst of that brokenness. And because of Jesus' commitment to leaning in, then we get this voice from heaven in the passage that God's voice says, indeed, it is in the vulnerability that God will be glorified. And in that, and in that glory of God, that the ruler of the world, the adversary will be driven out and Jesus will be lifted up and all will be drawn to him. Jesus offers this message, and in that, we know that because Jesus chooses to lean into those difficult places, that Jesus chooses to lean in where he feels like his soul is cracking, because of that, God will do the work that all of us are able to gather together, to worship together on the holy mountain. So yeah, if we want to follow Jesus, we got to learn to lean in where we feel the cracks in our own lives, and it is hard work. 
two weeks ago after that basketball game, immediately following the game, the, the media surrounds my brother and they're all asking him these questions and so we, we all hop on Twitter so we can see what these interviews are like. In one of the interviews, one of the reporters asked my brother about Dorman, that other team. The reporter said, what were your thoughts coming in to face this team? Were you scared? My brother affirmed the talent and success of the other team, but then he said this. You know what? We've seen them play. When we came in here tonight, we already knew who they were. Tonight, we had to make a decision about who we wanted to be. I would offer that Jesus is posing that same question to us in this passage today. Who do we want to be? Do we want to be followers of Jesus? Are we willing to lean in? Are we brave enough to loosen the grip that we hold so tightly onto the world because we think we can keep it from all falling apart? Are we going to be faithful followers of Jesus who lean in even though this is not what we were expecting? The truth is that we all have cracks somewhere in our lives. And the leaning into that is hard, hard work. I will tell you, many years ago, when my children were still quite young, I had a terrible time trying to figure out what it looked like to be a mom who worked full-time and a wife and a friend. I was dealing with some depression and I felt like I was failing miserably at everything. I didn't understand, people work, people are moms, people are wives, why was it so hard for me to do these things? In an effort to ignore the cracks that were beginning to show and hold it all together myself, I will tell you that I began to put up walls impacting many of my relationships, including my marriage. I drew further into myself and hid as best as I could. I am grateful because Scott loves me so well and he was brave enough to lean in with me. We did go see a counselor and it was so helpful to have someone to lean in with me to help me look at these vulnerable spots and think about what does this look like and how do we shine light into these places. There was also this other moment in the midst of this time that was so important to me. I had gone away with some girlfriends for a weekend getaway. And the first night that we were getting ready for bed, one of my friends looked at me and said, I feel like there's parts of my life that are cracking. And as she began to share things with me about what's going on in her life, I realized this was an invitation for me to lean in even more to places where I felt like my life was cracking. And I said, well, I need to tell you something, but it's really hard to admit. And so I told her. I told her everything that had been going on and how hard I'd been fighting for these cracks not to just break my life wide open. And it was, when it was done, she looked at me and she said, well, that does sound hard. I want you to know I love you. And I love that you felt you could share that with me. And we hugged and we cried together over all the places that we had cracked. And we gave thanks that we had not been broken. 
Scott and my counselor and my friends, in all of them I saw the love and care that Jesus can offer. I saw that the Jesus who calls us to lean in, to honor those vulnerable places, that the truth is those hard things don't go away. I mean, y'all, Jesus still died on the cross. The hard things don't go away, but shining the light into those cracks takes away the power of those cracks. And there we are no longer held captive by them. So the question this morning is this. Who do we want to be? Are we coming looking for Jesus? Are we going to be a follower of Jesus? Well, then the call is to lean in and to look to God in the midst of our vulnerabilities. For it is in the surrendering of our own need to control that we get to bask in the glory of God. And that is good news. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Holy God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks because, Lord, even in those places where our lives are feeling cracked, Lord, that we know that you know what that feels like. And so we give you thanks for holding us, Lord, that we will not break. And we pray, Lord, that we would be vulnerable and bold and faithful enough to lean in, that you would be glorified. And there we would all worship together on the holy mountain. In your name we pray. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.